This is Mark Shepard, Romo Lampkin. You're listening to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. My daughter's a terrorist! She's dead! If she dies, she dies. It's Caprica fever. Vergon fever. (laughs) Vergon fever. Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. This is show 85. I'm Brian. I'm Dimitri. Jason. Our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled, say it with me, G-Q-U-O-R-U-M at gmail.com. We have a voicemail, 301-358-5175. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter name is Galactica Quorum. And we also have a Facebook page. I want to mention that we have not listened to the official sci-fi podcast for this episode. I want to plug that we have our new podcast has begun, Geek Quorum. Check that out. That website is geekquorum.com. It has the same email and same voicemail, so you can send us correspondence to the same addresses that I just gave. The website's still being set up, and forums are to come, but we will be setting that up in the future. Also, Jason and I and Miranda from a couple other podcasts do a college basketball podcast called MidrangeJumper.net. Check that out. Contest. We have a book we're giving away, the BSG Downloaded. This one, different from the one we gave away last year. This one is signed by Richard Hatch. Details for that are on our other podcast, Geek Quorum. Basically, it's going to involve signing up to follow us on Twitter, and you'll have to Twitter something. And again, instructions for that will be on our other podcast. It's been a while since we had some voicemail, but there's a whole bunch to play for this episode. This one is from the enigmatically named The Doctor. Hey, core members, uh, this is The Doctor. I'd like to say long-time listener, but I don't know if you could really consider me a long-time listener. I'm calling from what would technically be your past. I heard an uh, ad for your show from uh, the guys over at Geek Radio Daily, and being a Battlestar fan, I figured I'd uh, give your show a listen, and I'm liking what I've heard so far. Uh, I started back at the beginning, and i got to say, it's really kind of cool listening to you guys theorize about Battlestar, knowing the outcomes. It's like I could say, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, well, you're close. No, no, you're nowhere near right. And uh, it, it's just fun listening to you guys. So I hope that you guys keep going with it. But I'm sure that by the time that I catch up to where you are, I will have forgotten that I even sent this message in. But uh, you guys take care, and I'll keep listening. Bye. That was funny. Blast from the past. And the doctor, who's a time traveler. See, I was thinking more oh, doctor. We've turned into an episode of Lost. Right. <laughs> I'm contacting you from the past. Well, a little bit later, some time traveling had occurred, so he sent another voicemail. He had caught up a little bit. Hey, Quormites. This is the doctor again. I'm still listening to backlogged episodes of yours. I think I just finished 30, 31, something like that. I have a long road trip ahead of me, six hours, so I should be able to get pretty caught up. But I, I, I wanted to call... A, because I do really feel like a bit of a time traveler here. I'm listening to you guys talk about these things. Something you mentioned was uh, Hulu is new in the time of the episodes that I'm listening to. And it's just kind of funny because Hulu's been around for years now. And it's weird hearing stuff that's been around for a while 
being referred to as new. That that gives me perspective on how long it's been. Something else I wanted to mention to you. You just finished your, I don't want to say riffing because it's not riffing, your tearing up of Bionic Woman. That was an absolutely awful show. No doubt about it. The Journeyman stuff that you talk about, however, Journeyman was a great show. It was a brilliant show, and it shouldn't have been canceled. By the last four episodes of the show, it was really blooming into something that it, it could have really, really done some interesting things if they had let it, but they didn't give it that chance. It was just a great show, and I dearly miss it. If it ever comes out on um, DVD, I will be picking that up. No hesitation. Hope you guys are having a good show. Bye. It's interesting when you think about him talking about Journeyman, a show I've completely forgotten about. <laughs> I would imagine that if someone was listens to this like four years from now, we could probably put like Flash Forward in that category by then. Right. That's true. The same kind of genre or... You know, something that was getting a lot of hype, may have started out well, but four years from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Man, did they screw that up. Yeah, that type of discussion, new shows, old shows, we'll be talking about that on Geek Quorum. So do swing by and participate over on that podcast because we will be talking about all sorts of shows over there. Now, as far as Caprica goes, the previous episode, like I mentioned at the top of this show, I don't listen to the official podcast for that episode I do listen to the previous weeks after we put this show out to the net. The podcast was done not by Ron Moore, it turns out, but David Icke, who's rarely heard. Interesting, since Ron Moore is one of the exec producers of the show when he wrote that episode. But I thought Icke made a very interesting comment about the direction of the show. Originally, he said... You're saying someone knows the direction of the show? (laughs) Follow me here. Originally, he was saying that the show was to be lighter and have some comedic elements and, quote, <laughs> ironic. <laughs> so a prequel about the destruction of an entire race of and people. And by, by show seven, they figured out it wasn't working and reshot some material for the first couple episodes. What in the movie pilot, which was done... <laughs> My daughter's a terrorist! She's dead! <laughs> the, what in the movie pilot, which was done like a year ago, would have ever given anyone the impression or indication that this series would have a lighter side? Because the only thing I can think is that Jane Espenson, I hate to you know, make her the scapegoat, who is acting as exec producer, saw the show that way, because that is sort of her um, how she's perceived as having a more quirky side, I guess. And maybe that's one of the reasons why she removed herself, with air quotes, from the exec producer position. I can't think of a single thing. Like I said, it, it's not just that it was about like suicide bombing and terrorism. It's the whole concept of the show was about the creation of a race of robots that wiped out this society. Mm-hmm. What's the humor in that? <laughs> <laughs> We're all laughing. Yeah. <laughs> at the cons- Oh my god. Really? Are we supposed to, like, look at, like, the parallels to, like, oh, yeah, that's something we have, and that's something we have, and that's supposed to be funny? Or is, I just thought that was more like, yeah, you know, okay, we get it. I thought in this episode that we're going to discuss, they had a lot of bits where I think at the time they I would have played them up to be a lot more funny. And they ended up changing the scene around just a little bit or scoring the music. To me, that's a big thing. Is I, how could, they scored it. I could see in the episode we just watched, I could see there being sort of not funny, but like Sopranos funny. 
I can't imagine this being a comedy. Maybe like they'll do like a mini Cylon named Tweaky. Was that where the comedy's going to come from? Uh. Got a few voicemails about the previous episode. Here's one of them now. Hey guys, I just wanted to leave you a message about Caprica. My thoughts. Um, I fell asleep halfway through, and this is coming from a big BSG fan, but a real disappointing one at the end. So I was pretty bored by Caprica. Nothing really to drag me in yet, but I'll give it a chance. Maybe a couple more episodes. Interesting to see what you guys think. Hi, bye. Yeah, that doesn't bode well if you are falling asleep. Well, I gave it an unprecedented. I'm usually the happy-go-lucky. We grade the things. You guys give D's and low C's, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was an A. It's red. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's blue with glitter. And last time, I actually gave it a C, which is... Uh, pretty low for me because I mean I watch TV and movies for the entertainment value but I stayed awake and I watched it but I did feel distracted easily distracted yeah like if my wife interrupts me while I'm watching certain shows I pause <laughs> no or, or you pause yeah you pause you go <laughs> okay okay what okay then you turn it back on this one it's just like yeah 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 whatever okay <laughs> okay another voicemail kind of in the same vein this one is from Matthew hi Brian this is Matthew couple of thoughts I've seen the first episode of Caprica after the pilot, and I just don't like it at all. I didn't even watch the last 10 minutes. I just think it's terrible. I'm not quite sure what the point of it is, to be honest with you. So a similar thing with Lost, a uh, new series of Lost. I Sky Plus it, which I think is a bit like your TiVo in the US. Um, and when I'm watching it, I actually fast forward through the bits that I'm off the island, the kind of alternate reality that's off the island. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't really like what they've done with that. I hope it's going to go somewhere good. And I hope this isn't going to continue with all the episodes in the series. I have a feeling it might do, though. I'm a little bit disappointed with that. Um, I hope to regularly contribute to the geek quorum in the future. And that's it. Cheers. Bye. A, I love that accent. Call again. (laughs) B, I think that you're really hurting yourself by not watching the last 10 minutes because not that you didn't realize that it's a horrible show, but the last 10 minutes of that first episode just kind of cement it in your mind as just when I think it couldn't get any worse, (laughs) they pull this. Yeah, I was going to say the the last 10 minutes had the worst scene of the episode. So basically what you're saying is watch the last 10 minutes so that the first 40 feel worth it. Yeah. So you didn't waste 40 minutes of your time. Well, it still boggles my mind that I've read people who have actually reviewed this episode and said that, you know, the last 10 minutes are just so gripping, I can't wait to come back and watch more. And it still goes back to my theory that TV critics that totally missed the boat on Battlestar Galactica, so they're like trying to fawn all over this, not realizing that, really, go back and watch BSG and then tell me what you think of this. Yeah. And once again, I want to plug Geek Quorum because we're going to do heavy gloss discussion in a few weeks, teaming up with V also, because those are going to be both. I just watched up. the original again on Sci-Fi. That was on bits the and, movie. Pe- bits and pieces of it. Right? They had the final battle with Michael Ironside. Oh, and everything. he was the best. He was awesome. And the, the special effects, God, <laughs> just <laughs> rocked. <laughs> okay, it wasn't all bad for Caprica. Our friend Jesse, who often sits in on some of our shows and emails us and voicemails, he originally did not like Caprica, but for some reason he finds hope in the series, and here's his voicemail. 
Hey, Quorum. Jesse Jackson here. Wanted to talk a little bit about the second episode of Caprica, or I guess the first true episode after the pilot. I wasn't a big fan of the movie, uh, but the creative team, Ron and David and even Jane, have enough storytelling credit with me that I plan to stick with the show at least through the first season. But after watching the second episode of Caprica, I was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. The first thing going forward that it has a group marriage. Now, as a fan of Robert Highland novels, he used that concept in a couple of the books. It was the first time I'd ever heard of that idea. I've always been fascinated with the idea of a group marriage, and so I'm hoping they do some more with that. Secondly, any show with Scott Porter, that's Jason Streets and Friday Night Lights, gets my vote as a show that deserves more of an audience. I like Lacey, and I'm interested in her story. The Virtual Zoe was more interesting this time. By the way, I totally knew that when the robot shell sat on the bed, it was going to collapse. Sadly, because that's happened to me, and I'm not a robot. Just a little heavier than I should be. Anyway, the theme of bias shown toward different worlds, especially Torin, is pretty interesting. I thought the ending was a little too much, especially since we know Zoe wasn't a terrorist, that she just wanted to run away from home and go off to some other colony. But overall, there's enough of the story that I'm looking forward to seeing where they are going to go. And besides, the show's got a hot nun. And having a hot nun is always a good thing in a TV show. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. Thanks. I agree with QB1. You gotta like him. But uh, he's obviously not going to be a major enough character. Right. Those things mentioned are very small components. They're not nearly yeah. enough to buoy the show up to level of being... No, that's a good idea. I mean, if, if they wanted to have a reset without completely tearing down and starting over... Perhaps sending a few of the characters off to the other worlds and kind of almost having parallel storylines with what's going on on Caprica versus what's going on in other places can certainly be interesting. Right. Just because the show is called Caprica doesn't mean you can't evolve the other planets. Yeah, every, Caprica is, you know, obviously Caprica is like <laughs> the, the capital, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's the just, snobby pricks of the colonies, but doesn't mean the other colonies don't exist. A couple emails now. Email from Patrick. He writes, I don't think the show has enough science fiction to keep the BSG fans. If you got rid of the robots, it could be on the CW. I hope the show goes in a different direction because right now it is too much like As Caprica Turns for me. Uh, the soap opera label is pretty common. There's another email that says kind of the same thing. This is from Jerome. He writes, at the moment it has single season written all over it as they seem to have got themselves into making Dynasty with a robot Sammy Joe. There's nothing really sci-fi about that. It's just a soap opera with a character who breaks whatever she sits on. Of course, correction is needed as quickly as Dollhouse got, or will have lost me for good. Uh, he continues, I would like to say how much I detest that all the Torons dress the same like 1960s mafiosi. Okay, we get it. Some of them are hoods, but are they all? They think they're being all cool about making one character gay, another a polygamist, but then ghettoizing a whole race. No, they're dirt eaters. Who cares? <laughs> I've noticed the fact that they've made generalizations about Taurons and Capricans, and I, I'm not going to knock it. I have noticed how they've done it. I kind of wish that there was more to it. For me, it would be richer if there was the Capricans weren't all just one way, and the Arlons were all one way, and the Geminons are all one way, and the Taurons are all one way. It's almost like a hunt for Red October thing, so that we can, I'm guessing, as viewers can differentiate the different people, right? And, Hunt for Red October, one bridge of the submarine was red, one was blue, and one was green or yellow or something, right? Mm. So then as the action is going and they're chasing each other underwater and the screen is jumping from scene to scene, 
and you've got all these different captains yelling. And if you're not really paying attention, then you can say, oh, okay, this is the red, this is the Russian. That's the other Russian. That's the right. American. You know? I mean, I get it. And I'm not going to knock them because it's so early in the series for them to be doing that. It's just that later on, if they get enough time and they get enough seasons, I would like them to have more depth of character development. The, not just character race development, development. Race development. But like Capricans should have more than just one thing where it's regional styles, regional dialects, regional attitudes. Just like there should other. be loser Capricans. Yes. You know, not I everyone mean, is a politician. And not, not yeah, not every Capri- Capricorn is an athlete. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like if you're born well, on Caprica, you're perfect. Yeah. And if you're born somewhere else, you're not, and this is what you're assigned. It's like the Indian caste system so far. But that just totally touched on what I've told you in the office. I mean, this is as Vancouver turns. <laughs> if your idea of a sci fi show is having one non moving robot in one scene, no. <laughs> that's that's not what we came for. It's not what brought people to Battlestar Galactica. That leads into a question I'm sitting on now. We've talked about this before, but let's just talk about it again. What is sci-fi? You know, what are the things that you need to make a sci-fi show? I mean, obviously, it can't just be CGI anymore with big buildings with flying ships, right? We're past that. Well, I mean, I, what is it? Would you need alien races? Do you need? I think you need an element of something that the reader, the watcher, feels doesn't exist in their reality. And the problem with Caprica is that disaffected, angsty teenagers and married couples in trouble is all around us. And if you don't have some kind of element that's like, okay, that's cool because I would love to have one of those, or we don't really get to do that. I mean, we've well, even got that. Be I don't know. You know, but like, I mean, just any, I mean, not necessarily in their world, but I mean, what. Star Wars is sci-fi, but it's got flying ships, it's got laser guns, it's got laser swords, it's got all kinds of weird aliens, there's crazy looking planets, there's weird beasts, and st- I mean, there's just so much color and character and stuff. Right, and here they've seemed to try really, really hard to portray Caprica as just like Earth, like it could happen to you. Yeah, I mean, it's basically it's Earth in like a 200 years where buildings are taller and... And the AI is better. What would they need? Or just one thing. It doesn't have to be five things. Just one thing. I mean, what's one thing that you're... Is it going to Geminon or whatever and seeing a really alien-looking planet? Could be that. I I think Geminon's orangey and red. I'm not sure in my head. But, I mean, is it just a weird-looking planet or is it a square? Brian, what's sci-fi? Sci-fi is the fantastic, which we cannot achieve now or possibly never can. But it's used in a way that, if it's done well... It's used in a way that will tell a story which will enlighten us about things about our current society. You can have sci-fi that does none of that, and it's just a sci-fi story. It's fluff. It's just pulp. No, I love your, by the way, everything that Brian just said wasn't written. It was from his head. But (laughs) what I wanted to say, no, look, I agree with that. I'm just wondering if sci-fi was tangible. I guess on Caprica, they've already established it in such a way that there's nothing tangibly sci-fi. I think that the fantasy has to come from one of the other planets and it has to be like, you know, in Star Trek, when they were show the Spocks going back to Vulcan and they show like a, right. a, well, okay. a wide here, shot of here, Vulcan. Here's where it, sci-fi comes in. In Battlestar Galactica, you have a fantastic situation where a whole race is on the run in space. Taken in another context, you could shrink that down to a micro scale and say, all right, maybe there's a colony in the 1500s who are in America and they need to get from one place to another, one island to another, one colony to another. Their supplies are dwindling and they have a lot of the same things happen to them. Right. So you can take the same premise and maybe transplant it, changing things around. 
that's kind of what makes steampunk so cool, by the way, is because you can take things to an older time, but up the technology mm-hmm. and make it cool. But anyway, for Caprica, I think what's missing is there's science fiction in the fact that there's this robot. And that's the sci-fi part of it. We don't have robots that have intelligent life and they can move around and we can't put our brains into these virtual clubs. But what is it about that in the story that's really important? There's not much. Like right now, the robot's standing there inert. Half the time, it's just standing there doing nothing. Literally, it's just standing there. So as a part of science fiction, it has almost no role. So yeah, it's a sci-fi show, but there's no sci-fi to it because the thing it is sci-fi about it has almost been removed. Right. I think that's the issue right now. So hopefully that will change in uh, the next episode when they, uh, or either next or the fourth episode or whatever, when they go off world. I'm not sure how a high school girl is going to get a two-ton, eight-foot robot off the planet, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm game. One more post from Heather, who also wasn't a fan of Amanda's over-the-top declaration at the end of the previous episode. She writes, I didn't get Amanda Greystone's breakdown either. Kind of pathetic, almost. Made me hate her, or how they're writing her, I suppose. Something is telling me Zoe isn't really hers and only her stepdaughter, or Zoe isn't really Daniel's and really is Virgis's daughter since they were supposed to be having an affair at the time. Hopefully they don't cut that out completely. So glad you guys are back, though it is a bit of a sausage fest. Love you guys. <laughs> there are three sausages in the room now. Although you're wearing your dress as usual. Michelle and, is out. She's, and that's because of the sausage. <laughs> Michelle could have called in, I guess. Michelle had a baby, so a she baby. is excused. And, and she's, she's watching, watching curling. curling. <laughs> <laughs> But again, with the Virgis and Amanda storyline, we mentioned this before. I refer you to Galactica Quorum number 77, where we talked about Caprica and the part from the pilot script, where we discussed the affair that she had with Virgis and whether or not that could mean something about Zoe and what have you. Who's Virgis? Virgis is the competing defense contractor guy. The one they stole the the AI from? Right. Wait, so she's having an affair with someone from another planet? So not only is it an affair, it's like this show's version of an interracial affair. It's Caprica fever. Vergon fever. <laughs> Vergon fever. <laughs> uh, Seriously, can we, like, go to the planet of twins and see what that's like for at least an episode? <laughs> What's the twin sign? Gemini? Gemini. So that'd be Gemini. So Gemini, I mean, come on. It's like one big double mint commercial. Get it on a Gemini. All right, ready to go on the episode in yeah. question? All right. This is episode written and directed by Ron Moore. And I have a short recap for Reigns of a Waterfall. Wait, let me time, let me untime this. I want to see what short means. Okay, go. All right. The Greystones are taking all kinds of lumps. Amanda is taking flack from an angry mob. Greystone Industries is taking a beating from the press, from the stock market, and from late-night snarkmeister Baxter Sarno. And Daniel is getting literally pummeled by Sam Adama. See, Joseph Adama has flip-flopped, so that's where Lee gets it from, and now wants desperately to see his dead daughter's avatar again. Meanwhile, Zoe has MacGyvered an interface from the holoband, so she and Lacey meet in the ebony compartment that is her virtual room. They find a door, and the outside light reveals Tamara Adama. Zoe says, let's blow this joint, and they enter the far less raunchy virtual club. Zoe, feeling very self-important and tired of having to watch her parents frack in front of her while she stands there mute, directs Lacey to take her and the U87 to Geminon. Daniel gets PR advice from Kat, who isn't really Kat, who advises him to go on Sarno's show to defuse some of the bad publicity. He says forget it, but after yet another blistering monologue, Daniel decides that sticks and stones and words can't hurt him. He decides to make an appearance on Sarno's show. What could go wrong? Daniel takes Joseph to see his daughter's avatar, but she's no longer there. Angered, he instructs Sam to even the fatality score and kill Daniel's wife. Roll credits. A minute and 16.7 seconds. See, that's, that's on average a minute shorter than the BSG recaps used to be. 
But yeah, it didn't need a longer summary. You know, just jumping to the complete end, the problem with the big surprise ending, we should kill Amanda Greystone to even the score. The problem is, is I can't think of anyone who's watched four hours of this show that is so invested in Amanda Greystone that they would care if she dies or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, oh, I'm going to kill her. Great. Doesn't bother me a bit. I could I give a crap at this point. It's too early. Right. Like you said, we don't care about the character. We haven't known her long enough to care about her, that whacking her is going to affect us as viewers. And two, she did a huge disservice to her daughter last week by ratting her out in front of everybody. She flipped on her kid like so quickly, like like she was another hood or something. It didn't. So killing her is like, yeah, okay. I'm not invested in the woman. Well, I don't think she flipped on her as much as she just had such overwhelming guilt. It's kind of like suicide by cop. Yeah. You know, she wanted that mob to kill her. I think if she basically wants to die, and we don't care if she dies. If she dies, she dies. We know she's not going to, but. Yeah, I'm not invested in her very much. I think one th- curious thing about this episode was at the very beginning, she quits her position as a doctor, which you might not even know if you didn't follow closely in the pilot that she realized that she's a surgeon or some sort of doctor. Well, I thought they hinted that it's like, did you quit or were you fired? And it was kind of like more like, if you don't quit, we're going to have to fire you. But it doesn't really matter whether she was fired or was she quit. To me, taking her out of that position is reminds me of when Lee quit being a pilot. It's like, well, what are you going to do now? She's going to sit at home and mope? At least if she's like in the hospital, she could have some sort of other storyline that might tie in somehow to the overall larger plot of, okay, maybe there's some medical things going on that somehow tie back to the Cylon. You know, just something. As it is, it's like she's going to be sequestered now in the house or captured by Sam Adama and taken to Tauron or something. You know, it's just, what what is she going to do except be a victim or not knowing exactly why she's stuck in there with a robot, though I still can't understand why the robot's in the house. Because, A, the government's not going to let you take the top secret prototype. Well, he's not a government. He's a, he's a contractor. Yeah, but the government is it, not right? going to let you take it off of whatever top secret facility they've got it at. Into your basement. Into your basement. And, B, once the terrorism stuff came out, You know, they're going to go get it. But the only way to turn this is that without knowing why, she connects with the robot. And then you get into the whole having to explain, well, let me explain kind of what happened here. The thing about Greystone's house that bugs me is it's hard for me to believe that one of the richest people on the planet doesn't have better security in his own house. The U87 is clomping around, breaking beds, and no one notices. I mean, at least Surge should be tweeting every once in a while little security blips about something unusual just happened. The uh, robot is walking hulk- around upstairs. There's a and- hulking robot traipsing around the house. You know, he can detect someone at the gate, and he can say, so-and-so is there, admit them or not. But inside, what, there's nothing. And again, going back to the robot being in the house, the robot would be... In the lab. It wouldn't be in the living room. They're trying to make a hunter-killer robot, not Rosie the maid. So you would keep it in that part of the house that's laboratory-esque, if it was there at all. I don't know why she just doesn't leave the house. If I was all of a sudden in a robot, I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? I'd go out the door and go, I'd go exploring. I'd figure myself out. Her consciousness seems to be more in the avatar than in the robot. It's all three of them, like they said, the, the Trinity, the Trinity all three yeah. of them are in there. We're just, right now, only concentrating on one of them. One of the things I 
did find positive in this episode was they got back to the virtual club. There's at least a hint of movement for her to say, get me off of Caprica. I need to go to Geminon. And they hint at the larger Soldiers of the One thing happening. Which, of course, if she only exists as an avatar and she wanted to go to another planet... Don't you think the planets are interconnected along this whatever version of the internet is? I mean, couldn't she just kind of think it and be there? They act like Caprica's internet is wholly independent of anybody else's internet. Her own hard drive has to be shipped there. Yeah, like yeah, plugging into a telephone line and calling yourself there. Yeah, they're looking for like a gigantic USB port. So they can download it to something and t- no, no. If the colonies are the colonies, then it's a big interconnected web. Yeah. And if she wanted to go, she'd be there already. Or Lacey, who's supposed to be the smart one, would have said, well, you know what? All you got to do is give me like a week to set up a secure room at a server on Gemini and then we'll move you. Then she could say, well, I want to be there with my body. My robot body, so I have the opportunity to move around or whatever. No one will notice me, nine-foot-tall metal robot. (laughs) But look, your argument sucks, and I think you should take it back, and I'll tell you why. Because if she can call Geminon and just shoot herself over there, over the wavelengths, then we're not going to see another planet, Jason. So this is an awesome idea, because she gets to go there, and we get to see her there. Okay. I mean, I guess she would have been there anyway if she was electrons, but then... Right. She wouldn't have eyes, you know, we wouldn't be able to see what she sees because she can't get out of the computer. Because, because God forbid, as we've already established, only the teenagers of Caprica would be smart enough to create a virtual club to go do, like, you know, fulfill their most debaucherous desires. I'm sure the teenagers on Tauron are too stupid to figure something out like this. Well, the teenagers on Tauron are doing it in real life. Well, the teenagers on Tauron are... They don't need to go into a virtual room and do it. (laughs) Teenagers They they, they get it. They drink booze and bang and kill on the outside. They have have fight clubs. They don't have virtual clubs. They're they're too busy shaking down the local grocer to worry about electronics. I don't know if you've been studying Geminon language, but Geminon translates to fight club. Right. <laughs> First imagine, rule about see, Gemini. I'm starting to imagine no Gemini. I'm starting to imagine Tauron as like the Jersey Shore of the colonies. After listening to last week's podcast, I was actively looking for their attempted humor, and this one. I thought I could find certain spots. Like, at the beginning, the bottle's thrown, it hits the reporter, but the reporter's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. Then there's the bit with Lacey and Clarice, where she has this... Clarice. Where she has to go get the tea, and then pour the tea, and then add the lemon. At the time, I'm like, what is the point of this? I I could not understand where that was going, if that was like some revealing thing about the character or whatever. But then I thought later... Well, maybe that's their attempt to be funny. Haha, <laughs> she's making her go get more stuff for her tea. Oh, I thought it was Lacey's version of like, okay, stalling. I'm very uncomfortable, I'm stalling. It was, but like that was after the first or second thing she did. By the third or fourth, it was like, I get it. You know, it was past that. And then the last thing was the mom and dad screwing in front of the U87. Again, they staged it and they scored it a certain way. But you almost could see them having a line at one point that said, honey, not in front of the robot. <laughs> you know, I Actually, just, what would have been funny is if the robot had turned its head. The robot had turned its head. Like if they showed them like and it's blurry <laughs> and like it's on them kind of like close up and then it zooms in and, you, and they're in the foreground blurry and the robot's just standing there and it kind of goes mm-hmm. yeah. and turns its head, you know, like it, it's, you know, but that wouldn't be funny anyway. That'd be like, yeah, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can see what they're trying. Like, she had the line later when she was talking to Lacey. She's like, you wouldn't believe the things I have to see. It's like, yeah, okay. But this, but see, that's not, it's not funny. I mean, it's, well, no, it can be funny, but it doesn't, I mean, The Sopranos is a very dark TV show and there were funny things in it, you know, but it doesn't make it a comedy necessarily. Just because you have funny things within a drama doesn't make the drama a comedy. Yeah, that's true. You can have comedy within a drama. I think they were going, originally, I think they were going for more comedy than drama. They probably could have started a little bit with, like, more lights on the set, and that's so, like, dark. They could have started with a pilot that didn't have a completely different tone from what they thought they'd do in the series. Was there comedy in BSG? There's a few episodes where there was, like, supposedly the light ones, like the one where Ellen goes to have dinner with Lee and Adama and... Jane's first episode, she wrote, there was this whole thing about they had to eat paper to survive or something, and they were cracking up about it because it was just so funny. And that scene went on for a long time. You remember that? I remember eating paper, but I don't think... I remember it being funny. It wasn't. It was supposed to be like, ha, ha, ha. They're cracking up about it. Was that on the algae? Because they're so hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying there can't be comedy. There can't be light moments. I'm just saying they need to get a writer that understands how to do it, because I haven't seen anything that's made me chuckle. They try to be funny, I guess, when Adama brings the sandwiches to the back side of the restaurant where they're playing cards and they're, like, making fun of him or whatever. Oh, when they tried to recreate the scene from Goodfellas? Okay, maybe they're trying to be funny with the Jay Leno. Well, he's not really Jay Leno. He's more sardonic. I guess maybe he's more of a Conan O'Brien or a Letterman. I think he's an amalgamation of John Stewart, Letterman, and... Maybe Pat Robertson. I guess that could be funny, but the thing is, is if you're trying to go bare your soul to regain your PR footing, you're not going to do it with John Stewart or Jay Leno or David Letterman. You're going to Barbara Walters. You're going to find yeah. Oprah. That, Oprah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. At, you know, somebody tweeted about how why wouldn't a firm as big as Greystones have their own PR firm? I mean, why does he have to bring in this cat to come in and tell him what to do? He's, Ever he, seen uh, the Clooney movie, mm-hmm. George? Or whatever. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was the fixer. Yeah. That's what they brought in. But his company, they make they make weapons. They should be getting flack all the time. So they should have a PR person who's built to take care of that kind of thing. As far as Clooney and the cleaner, these two characters in this episode were not that style. They were not that style. One thing, too, about going on the Sarno show is in terms of cliffhangery stuff, the big thing to look forward to the next episode is what he's going to do on a TV show. <laughs> Tune in next week Tune in for next week. the talk show. Yeah. I mean, how base can you get than that? Well, to be honest, that, that affected it's me. It's banal. It's that, just very... That affected me the same way as the cliffhanger when they were going to blow up the entire planet with 27 main characters on it. Right. You know? It's hard to buy that as a cliffhanger. Ooh. Is- the talk show. Going back to the mom, if Adama whacks her, why do we need her? We don't. That's why it's not very resonant. Yeah. But one of you guys earlier said she's not going to get killed. Oh, she's just not. The show's not going to work if the female lead is a 18-year-old playing a robot. you got to have at least one mm. female lead. I would be surprised if they did. It wouldn't shock me because maybe that's what they're going for is a shock to jumpstart things. They can always bring in another female. Like, they go to Gemini or whatever. They can find a hottie female there or something, you know? Who knows who, what's there? You know, I like shows that do that. The show's going, and they'll just, not a main, main character, but they'll kill a pretty high up B character and just lop them right off. And then you're like, oh, how did that happen? They were doing that pretty good in Heroes, but then everybody came back. Mm. That's fine, except even with a B character, you've at least established a reason why that death would be like, oh, I would equate it to like killing off Tara and Buffy. Wait, what? They killed her? 
Yeah. Or like, I don't watch it anymore, but that uh, flash forward, the black police detective, he sees himself in the future as being alive, talking to a police detective from England. But he goes ahead and in the now jumps off a building and kills himself mm -hmm. to break the timeline. When I was watching that, I was like, whoa. But that was what, six episodes in? Yeah. So either it was further in or it was better written. I think it was better written. But the point is, is that he was a pretty main character. Right. And they just they got rid of him. And, and, and the only reason that Amanda Greystone is a main character is because we've been told she's a main character. She's the mother of the whole reason the show exists, really. I want to just bring up the cop really fast in that investigation. I hate to be sounding like I'm piling on, but the scene where the supervisor comes in and lays into them, but doesn't really lay into them. About, be better. I wrote that down. His line was, guys, be better. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What? A hard nosed cop is going to talk their, when he said their guys, their grunts, like, and, and say that. It's like when uh, Lee was up as CAG and he's like, go get them, guys. And Starbuck came after him and said, what was that? You know, you got to scream at your guys, get them riled up. But to go, guys, be better. I was like, what? That's bad writing. You could, you could actually, no, wait, that is bad writing. I think it's bad uh, presentation. He could have said the exact same things. He could have said, frat guys, as he's slamming the door shut, yelled, be better. Right. Because when he came in, the cop said, uh-oh, here comes trouble. <laughs> well, that lies at the foot of Ron Moore then because he wrote the line and he directed the scene. So. Maybe he's good cop. <laughs> and bad cop. I just remember that scene and I'm like, okay, so what have we done? All we really established is that either the cops are going to be like the imbecile cops or we're supposed to hold it against them that they didn't recognize a year ago that some teenage boy carrying wires was like the key to a whole big <laughs> terrorism investigation. Maybe I'm completely off, but this investigation rises to such a level. Exactly what are, like, the Caprica City cops doing with, like, these two people in charge? You would think at this point it would be, like, some kind of federal government agency. Yeah. Is like, I thought originally he was introduced as, like, a special agent or something, which would imply... Yeah. Like, should introduce like, himself as some sort of special something, but the office that he's in doesn't look really right. special. It looks like the local precinct. I just think just from the incompetent standpoint alone, the cop thing doesn't work for me. They should go back to worrying about... The Sopranos episode. So aspect basically, of it. it all does boil down to a soap opera. And at this point, I can't even blame Ronald D. Moore. I feel like that somewhere in the upper reaches of whatever NBC's going by now, there was like someone said, I really liked BSG, but I'd really like it more if it was more about like had like a Sopranos thing going and maybe a love story going and maybe a hot teenager. You know, it's you know, like. It's probably our fault, actually, that Caprica is the way it is because we've always said. To our friends and family, you should watch Bachelor Galactica. It's a people drama in a sci-fi world, but there's not a lot of sci-fi. I think you'll like it. So we did it. We talk too much. <laughs> I've never been accused of that before. You know what? I might like Caprica more if they put it on a different channel. Stop trying to sell it as sci-fi. Sci-fi. Move it to TNT. Well, here's you the know? thing to it. I whatever, liked the I don't second know what one. This second one better than the first one. Overall, I mean, we're laying into it now and ragging on it, but it had more excitement. And I think right now my favorite story is the gay gangster. <laughs> that, that's my favorite part, you know, and his young apprentice. Yeah. So basically what you've established is that sometime 40, 50 years down the line, a guy who was basically raised as part gangster by a gay gangster couple was the leader of the last remnants of humanity. Right. He was well-rounded. Yeah, maybe that's what taught now, him compassion. You had a theory that somehow Zoe would not end up being the big Cylon to start them all. You saw Tamara as being the one who was going to... Yeah, like they discovered Tamara, or Tam... I don't know how you say it. But I'm wondering if maybe, like, Zoe's like a big fake-out, and maybe 
Tamara, who was created completely from this and seems to have a few more daddy issues as well. I would absolutely hate that. That would make me forsake almost all things BSG. If they made Adama be be all end all, again, it goes back to my hatred of what happened in the Star Wars prequels about everything tying into this one person, person and just yeah. a few core characters. If Adama and Adama's father and Adama's niece or nephew or whatever are the, the things that cause the Cylon War and, and then he over time becomes the Admiral, it's just so... It, yeah, he's fighting his sister's race, basically. Yeah, that would just destroy it for me. Sibling rivalry. <laughs> it's, it's all one big mom liked you best. <laughs> okay, let's do our um, grades real fast. Last week I said C. This week's a little bit better. I'm still not buying it that much. So I'll give it a C plus. I'm going to go ahead and give it a B minus because I like the ass kicking in the alley and the mobster gay guy. I'm repeating, Brian, but yeah, I can go with the C plus and the fact that it was better than last week, but there's a lot of room for improvement. Okay, well, I guess that wraps up this episode of Galactica Quorum. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, Geek Quorum at geekquorum.com. The website for this podcast is galacticacorum.com. Email and voicemail is gquorum at gmail.com and 301-358-5175. Join us on Twitter. Join us on Facebook. The Jump Clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. So say we all. This is number 85? This is number 85. So 15 more to go and we kill it. It's syndication. (laughs) (laughs) And we kill it. (laughs) We've got syndication. (laughs) Woohoo! Are we going to be syndicated by Geek Quorum? (laughs) Right. Well, Ron, that's what we should do. We should do repeats, reruns on the Geek Quorum. We don't have a regular episode this week. Here's a repeat of our... Well, no, no we... you should really do a best of. No, you know hey, what? remember that time in 33? That was great. <laughs> <laughs>